Good morning. We're finishing up our look at the arc of Christian character, the progress or development that every Christian goes through or should go through as we grow in Christ likeness. We're adding to our faith. Now I want to start off again by reading second Peter chapter five, starting, sorry, chapter one, starting in verse five, uh, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the idea is that we're continuing to grow and mature in our faith and becoming more like Jesus. And that's what uh, prevents us from being ineffective or unfruitful. And that would be the goal for every believer. You'll see what we're adding to our faith today is love two different kinds of love that it mentions. The problem we run into anytime we talk about love is that culturally our society, we get mixed up when it comes to love. That we kind of get this impression that love should feel a certain way. So what is love? Most definitions, when you look them up, state that love is an emotion or a state of intense affection. These are described as feelings. Well, I'm in love, so it should feel a certain way. Love like that, it's, it's kind of hard to define. It's why the cartoons when I was a kid would show characters that were in in love with with hearts instead of eyes. Because they really didn't know how to explain the feeling of it. I was curious. I did a, a Google search. What does love feel like? Here's the headlines. What does love actually feel like? Ten feelings to look for. Or what does love feel like? Here's how to tell if you're in deep. (laughs) 12 scientifically proven signs of love. 33 signs that you're feeling what you're feeling is real and true. Or does he love me? This quiz will tell you. (laughs) This is really helpful stuff, isn't it? You see, this is in stark contrast to what the Bible says that love is. In the Bible, love is is not what you feel. That's really important to understand that love is not this, this feeling. Now, 
there tends to be feelings that come along with it, but that's not love. That's all the other things that might come along with it. In the Bible, because it's not what you feel, it's what you do. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There was something he did because of his love. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Love is what we do. It is an action. Or back in the day, DC talk, love is a verb. It's something you do. It's a choice. It's something you do by will, by decision. It's a good thing that it is as well. My feelings are not as stable as my decision, my will. My feelings fluctuate with my hunger and my caffeine level. My wife wouldn't appreciate it very long. I love you, honey. Oh, so you had a good night's rest and a cup of coffee? Instead, it is a choice that I made. Almost 30 years ago, when I said, I love you for the first time. And what followed after was a relatively short amount of time in which I then said, I want to marry you. Because I've only ever told, other than my parents, my kids, I've only ever told one person I loved her. Because to me, saying I loved you wasn't a way I felt. It was a decision that I would then always love her. Because that's my understanding of what Scripture says. Scripture says that we make a decision and that this is it. It's not that butterfly feeling that we tend to think it is. There are two kinds of love that are mentioned in this passage by Peter. Right, We translate them as uh, brotherly affection and love. The first one there that's translated as brotherly affection, it's the Philadelphian love or brotherly love. You hear the root there, Philadelphia, phileo, and it means that brotherly kind of love. I'm going to call this brotherly affection compassion. Compassion because it is love for all people. We're motivated then to serve them, to care for them, to help them as we are able. So as we grow in Christ-likeness and become more like Jesus, how do we add compassion to our faith? So This love for all people requires seeing others the way God sees them. Do you see that there are people that are like you or are they different than you? Are they older or younger than you? Maybe they seem less successful or more, or I think I'm smarter, or or I'm jealous of them because I've had more opportunities than me. Or do you see them the way God sees them? It was for them whom Christ died. That's how God sees everyone. We're supposed to see them in the same way. The Apostle Paul in his 
letter to the church in Rome, chapter 12, verse 9, he says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And so you see it pretty clearly there that this compassion, we need to be first in showing honor. Let me give you two characteristics of compassion. First of all, compassion is demonstrable. People can see it. When you do it, people will look at you and see you demonstrating compassion. I learned this lesson. Maybe it was a hard way. I don't know. My wife and I, she wasn't my wife yet, but would be shortly after this, were, were driving one day and we came to an intersection. The light was red. We stopped and the light turned red and the car in front of us didn't go. It's frustrating, right? What do you do? It wasn't, there wasn't enough space. I couldn't get around them. Do you honk? There's not, we've kind of talked about this before, Uh, my wife and I, there needs to be like a nice button so I can kind of do a quick little beep so they know I'm not mad, I just want you to look up so you know that the light changed. But I could see pretty quick that the driver was flustered, was frantic, and I went, oh no, they're like stuck. It's, it's not that they just didn't notice. It's that they're having car trouble. All right. My understanding of scripture is I need to do something, right? I need to help this lady. You can't always do this, but I was in a position I was able. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to help this, this lady. And so I got out, I went up and she goes, it won't start. I said, okay, hold on. So. I demonstrated compassion. Number one, I didn't honk. (laughs) Number two, I decided to check on her. Number three, I pushed her car out of the intersection by myself. And I would love to say it ended there because I'll be honest, I wanted it to end there. I'm like, I already went out of my way, right? And there she was. A lady by herself stuck on the side of the road with two small children. And I said, well, maybe we can, this was pre-cell phone for the most part. She couldn't just jump on her phone and call for help. I said, maybe we could get a, 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 one of these neighbors and we can call. And there was a lady came out and said, you guys need help. And I go, I think she needs to use your phone. And The lady started talking in Spanish. My Spanish is not good, uh, but we were able to figure out enough that no one was home. She had no one to call. Could she get a ride? You see, 
Compassion is demonstrable. It's something you do. Okay, if I was by myself, maybe I'd get away with it, but I was with my, my girlfriend who I wanted to be my wife. More importantly than that, I represent Christ. I said, okay, let, can we give you guys a ride? And so the lady and her two small children, and this is the weird part, every pot and pan she had in her car got into our car, <laughs> and we drove them across town and dropped them off. And to the best of our ability, we said, God bless you, and we hope you'll be safe. And I did it begrudgingly every step of the way. Afterward, what I, what I regretted was that I couldn't have done it more joyfully because it felt like it snowballed. I actually got pushed into helping someone. But, but most importantly, what I realized is I really wanted is that she would remember not that these two people that didn't speak Spanish helped her out, but that she might remember that they said, God bless you. And they, they did it in the name of Jesus. That's, that's what compassion's supposed to be like. Uh, we can't always do that. But when we can, we need to try. Uh, by the way, I wouldn't recommend putting strangers in your car. So be careful. Uh, that, that was like Uber back in the day. It's not necessarily a good thing today. If you feel compassion, you need to do something about it. You need to help people. And we need to have that kind of love, whether they look like us, they talk like us, they act like us, they have the same background as us. You need to do something because of it. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so compassion requires sympathy. Sympathy means that you have an understanding of how others feel. It's not empathy. Uh, empathy is that you actually can feel what others feel, and, and that could get really dangerous. Uh, I have one of my professors uh, when I was in seminary would talk about uh, pastors that would try to empathize so much that they, then they would burn out quickly. You have to be careful of too much empathy and, but ultimately it was, you do need to understand though. Sympathy allows you to understand how others feel, whether you have uh, faced that same thing or not. And this is really is the power of literature and cinema that you, you could kind of feel what's going on and you understand it a little better. And because your compassion requires sympathy, that helps with that motivation to do something because of it. Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And that's part of how we grow in Christ likeness. We put these things on like clothing that it becomes a part of our identity, that compassion, that kindness and humility and meekness and patience. 
The second kind of love mentioned is, is agape. It's the, the Greek word here, and it means that unconditional love or sacrificial love. And so I'm going to say it this way, how to add sacrificial love to your faith. And since brotherly affection is demonstrable, obviously it's sacrificial love. It's something you do. You demonstrate it. It's in the name. It's the ultimate picture of love that we sacrifice. I've already mentioned this verse, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Right? That it's that ultimate picture then of love that we demonstrate uh, that love for others. We're to love one another in such a way as this. And here's the good news. Sacrificial love is not based on our worthiness, but God's goodness. You see, that's the issue is that we can't be worthy enough. God's love for us is not earned by us. It's given by God as grace unmerited favor. We can't earn it. You can't do enough good. Uh, Let me explain that. When I was a kid, my friends and I decided to dig a cave. I think we'd seen like Indiana Jones or Goonies or something like that, something with a cave. And so we agreed on a location and a time and we all showed up with a shovel And we dug for days, or so the minutes felt like. In fact, we got a foot or two down and gave up. Now, is it impossible to dig a cave? No, you can actually do it. But a shovel full at a time is really difficult. So it is virtually impossible. But trying to be worthy enough to earn God's love isn't even that possible. Because no matter how much good you do, one shovel full at a time, it doesn't erase the times when you've messed up, stumbled, or even intentionally wanted out of your way to sin. The scale doesn't balance good and evil in your life. In fact, that's not the standard. The rubric is a comparison of sin against perfection. That's why we all fall short. It's why we're in need of grace. It's why God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that if we would believe in him, repent of our sins, He promises to forgive us, to forgive our sin and give us everlasting life. We become children of God, not because we were worthy, but because he was. And he bore our sin on the cross. By the way, that's the gospel. And it is that simple, even though it's challenging. It's supposed to challenge us. We're supposed to hear it and and be motivated to do something because of it. We can't earn it. It's a free gift of God. 
That's why God's love for us is so incredible. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. You know, like when you're having people over and you pick up, right? You clean. But when it comes to God, you can't clean up enough. Yet God loves us anyway. Before we clean up our lives, Jesus died for us. We don't have to clean house first. Instead, we trust, we believe, and scripture says we are saved. It's not based on our worthiness, it's based on his goodness. And sacrificial love is also selfless. Well, I think that one's kind of obvious. It's not about us, right? It's not about the things that we have done. We need to be grateful that it's not because we're not worthy. We're not good enough. It means we can be saved. The picture of love in scripture is so beautiful and it's so not what you see in the media. You watch a movie. First Corinthians 13 is the love chapter in scripture. And it's all about love. My, uh, my wife, I, I would encourage you perhaps to do the same thing. When my wife and I first got married, we, we set out to memorize chapter 13 together. And then it became a competition who'd have it memorized first. And, you know, But it's a good reminder. I'm going to start in verse four. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then it goes on to the things that, that, that fail, that come up short and things that aren't as important. And yet faith, hope, and love remain in the greatest of these as love. How different is this than you might typically hear about love? Where love is about what you can get, what you Perhaps, what have you done for me lately? Perhaps some scorecard. My wife is prettier than your wife. My kids are better behaved than yours. Or even more degenerate love is understood as one hookup after another. You see, that's not love. And it's so many other things that, unfortunately, our society starts to say that that's what love is supposed to be, and it's not it doesn't even lead to love. It, in fact, it, it detracts from it and it leads away from it. Love is sacrificial. It is, it is about giving. When I work with young couples that are getting married, uh, one of the things that I always 
point out when talking about sacrificial love is that you don't have to go into the relationship seeing what you can get. And if you do that, you are going to be disappointed every time. But if you go into marriage seeing what you could give, you will have a joyful marriage. Because your needs will be taken care of because you're all about meeting the needs of someone else. And it will be so much better. I'd like to say that I've always done that in my marriage. At times, most of the time, I think so. I think my wife would agree with that. But not always. Because unfortunately, there's times I get selfish. I focus too much on me when I need to be focused sacrificially on her. And on our kids, on other things. Love is sacrificial. And we need to remember that. And then sacrificial love grows from a grateful heart. Because our agape, sacrificial love for others comes directly from our gratitude to the Lord. Because of what He has done. For us. While we're still sinners, Christ died. Not because of our worthiness, but because of his goodness. Not because we've somehow earned something, but because it's what he chose to do. There was no other way for us to be saved. And because of that, it wasn't just a just a show. He didn't just put on a play. What God did is he actually sacrificed his son. When we talk about sacrificial love, we're not talking about, well, it it cost me a little bit of time. Cost me a little bit of money. Maybe I had to go out of my way and do something for someone else. I, I had to kind of push a car and give people a ride and no, it, it actually cost him. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. First Peter 1, verse 22, Since you have purified your souls by obedience to the truth, so that you have a genuine love for your brothers, love one another deeply. From a pure heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. You have a a picture of what it means to to grow in this, this character arc, to become more like Christ, to add to your faith things that will matter and that uh, you won't be ineffective and unfruitful. That if, if you do that, then you will add love, genuine love for your brothers. This is that picture of what church is supposed to be. I have never met a church that said we weren't very friendly or very loving. 
but I've been to plenty that weren't. And it's really important that as a church, we're really mindful that we're to be loving, welcoming, encouraging, hopeful. That it is, it is very much not all about us and what I want, but it is all about Christ and what he wants and how much he desires to work in the life of others. Well, I've already mentioned the gospel and I would just add to it that if today you're here and you uh, haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, but as we've been talking, you're like, you know, I've, I've heard that. I need to do that. Then, then, then today's the day. And it's not some magic thing. It is in your heart, in your, in your mind, you tell God, God, please forgive me of my sins. I've, I've, I've messed up. Sin is just a fancy word that means I broke your law. I knew what I was supposed to do and I didn't do it. Maybe it's your understanding of the Ten Commandments or something else you knew you were supposed to do and you didn't do. Scripture says all of sin and falls short of the glory of God. And so we acknowledge our sin before God and we ask him to forgive us. God, help me then to grow like Jesus. And he promises that he will do that. And so you don't have to do anything other than that. But if you have questions and would like to know more or how to do it, or maybe it's, you know, I've done that before, but, but I've just been kind of caught up and I need, I need help. Then, then today's the day to say, let me get some extra help. And you put that on your connection card or come and tell me or, or one of our ministry leaders. And I have some next steps for you. My next step today is to choose to see others the way Jesus sees them. What would I do for them? If I see them, I look at them and understand them as, as they whom Christ died for. If I see them that way, what am I willing to do to help others? Or perhaps it's to choose to selfish, selflessly, almost said selfishly, selflessly love others, right? I might need to look at people differently. Or I'm going to put it into practice. I'm going to do one selfless act to demonstrate God's love, goodness, goodness and love, right? Maybe that's it. Today's the day I'm going to choose one thing. I'm going to put it into practice. Do you know how impactful it would be if every one of us said this week, I'm going to do a selfless thing. I'm going to step out and help someone and, and encourage. I'm going to demonstrate God's love in a tangible way. And so I would encourage you to choose one of those and to put them into practice. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good and gracious to us. You loved us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross that we might believe and be saved. And that it was based on our goodness it was based on yours we thank you for that fathers we've talked about love today i pray that that what i've said was was clear or that their understanding was even more clear than what i said 
Father, how do we apply this to our life in a way that matters? That first of all, we, we incorporate into our life a brotherly affection for one another in the church and for all people. When we look around, we see them as you do. And we're moved by compassion to do something to help. And that we would commit to sacrificially give selflessly in a way that matters. We represent you that way. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.